0: Welcome to the Acts Church Leander Podcast. Join us in person or online on Facebook at 9.30 a.m.
1: So today's Bible reading comes from Luke 10, verses 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for the extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise.
0: Jesus, I thank you so much for this time of being gathered together as your people. And Lord, as we uh, study your word today, Um, Lord, I just pray that you would challenge us not to just hear your word, but to be doers of your word, and that we would take it to heart as we continue to love people in your name, especially during this holiday season when uh, there's such a a dramatic rise in uh, depression and anxiety and just busyness of life. So, Lord, I pray that um, we would hear these words and that they would transform us um, to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. What does it mean to be a good neighbor in 2022? That's the question I was thinking about as I was reading this text over the past couple of weeks. Th- th- this last week, actually, I ended up going to New York City uh, with a bunch of other church workers in the Texas area. And uh, for those of you guys that have been to New York City, it's such a like, wow experience, right? And but however for me i grew up in new york i grew up on long island which is about an hour away from the city and so it was kind of going back to old stomping grounds but kind of not really um i stayed in brooklyn and ended up going back and forth to midtown manhattan area and it was kind of weird for me because as i was getting ready for this trip i was kind of getting filled with like anxiousness because of such the the busy and the hustle of that culture in new york city And one of the biggest stressors for me is uh, riding the subway. Has anyone rode the subway before in New York City? Yeah. So imagine a bunch of Texans just trying to get on the subway. Like, it's just quite the experience, I'll tell you that. Um, And (laughs) it's so funny because, like, for me, it's hard for me to figure out what direction to go and so like at one point I had invited Chrissy to come and uh, s- you know, see my family and I was so confident about going into the city a couple years back and uh, we ended up going on the subway and we went the complete opposite direction so I was so embarrassed I was so like turned around and even still when I visited um, last week I like went through the wrong turnstile and I ended up like trying to hop over the turnstile it was really embarrassing like it, it just was a mess um, but anyways we get there and uh, we go on to the subway and we're headed in the evening time to Times Square because we wanted to do some of the little touristy type of stuff and see the experiences and so we're on the subway and it's not as packed and and we're trying to just sit down and relax and go on our way and at one of the stops uh, there's a man that walks on and he has a huge coat on and all of his clothes are just completely tattered and just kind of messed up and his face looks dirty And uh, I had automatically assumed he was homeless, and he, he shared that he was homeless. And so he gets onto the subway, and we're sitting there, trying to just mind our own business. And he ends up saying, excuse me, everybody. Can I have your attention, please? And then he starts to share his own experience about his life and how he had a job and he has kids and he ended up losing his, ki- uh, losing his job and he needs to get money to be able to care for his kids and he was a war veteran and he starts going on and sharing and he's like pouring out his heart and he's saying, I'm so embarrassed to share this with you guys, but I really could use your help. I really could use money. He's like, if you want to give money, I would love to uh, take any that you would have, if you're willing to give, and thank you guys for your time. And then he proceeds to go up and down the subway for the next five minutes until the next stop and then gets off. Now, I don't know if he was being genuine or not, if he was trying to do money, get money for drugs or actually needed money for a job or for his kids, if he was being really truthful, but as, I was, as he was telling the story, I was looking around at what was happening on the subway, and there is not a single person who is paying attention to this man as he's pouring out his heart. People are either on their phones playing games or texting people, or they're on their AirPods listening to music, or on the, they're on their phone talking with somebody, or they're talking with each other on the subway, completely ignoring this person as he shares what's going on in his life. What does it mean to be a good neighbor in 2022? And I'm excited to dive into this parable, and this is the last week that we're doing parables, because um, Josh is going to, uh, or she shared a couple weeks ago, just about the meaning of parables and how not all parables are kind of one-to-one translations. They're not allegorical, right? So there's not one thing that represents another thing which represents another thing, right? But instead, these stories that Jesus tells about these parables oftentimes have a punchline to help react the crowd to what Jesus is trying to say. And a lot of the times what Jesus shares these parables, he's talking about what's happening during that time at that moment and is talking about what's to happen in the kingdom of God. And the context before this parable is that Jesus sends out 72 people to proclaim the good news, to exercise demons, to bring healings to people, and to proclaim the kingdom of God. And so after he sends out these 72 people, they come back and they're like, wow, this is such an incredible experience. Like even the the demons are scared of your name, Jesus. And Jesus is like, that's not the point. The point is that I've sent you out and that you are my disciples to make disciples of all nations, proclaiming my good news, that you guys have been chosen to go out and share that love. And in the middle of them processing all that's happening, this lawyer steps up and he challenges Jesus. And he says, wait, wait, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gives his most, like, kind of Jesus-y way of answering a question. Have you noticed this? Like, he usually answers a question with a question. So he ends up saying, he says, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And I think this is a helpful question, not only for Jesus and for the lawyer during this time, but I think it's a helpful question for us to reflect on, too. When we're in Scripture, when we're reading, how do we read the Bible? Is our reading of Scripture informing how we are living? Or is it just something that we just do on a regular basis? The, the, the Bible is not just for information, but Scripture is used for transformation, that we take and we continue to live out day in and day out. And then the lawyer says, well, the two greatest commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is like, great, you got it. You nailed it. Do this and you will live. But a lawyer, being a lawyer, ends up going a little bit deeper And trying to, what does it say? He says he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? This lawyer didn't think that these words were enough. And instead wanted to see and see if he was doing better than what he should have done. And this is where we get into the parable that Jesus tells of the Good Samaritan. Now, before we get into some of the different characters that we see in the Good Samaritan, notice how overall, when we finish the parable, notice how Jesus never gives the lawyer the answer that he was looking for, right? This lawyer asked, and who is my neighbor? And instead of telling him who his neighbor is, Jesus actually challenges him to be a neighbor. Instead of telling him who his neighbor is, he says, no, instead, I want you to be a neighbor, in order for us to love our neighbor as ourself, we have to see ourselves as that neighbor. You see, because our being informs our doing. Y'all, God did not create human doings. He created human beings. Our being informs our doing. And then Jesus says, go and do likewise. I mean, and just look at the priest and the Levite and the Samaritan. So, so the priest comes, right? He's the person that's supposed to take care of the temple, to offer sacrifices, right? He sees this person that's hurting on the side of the road, half dead, and he goes on the other side, and he goes off and does his own thing. The Levite, part of the family of priest but is not a priest himself, sees this person half dead on the side of the road. He already has in mind where he's going, and he goes on the other side and goes anyways. And I love in the text how it says the Samaritan, who is on a journey, ends up seeing the man, has pity, or in the word uh, pity is actually the word compassion. This compassion, this gut-wrenching, physical feeling that leads to justice or mercy He bandages up his wounds, puts him on his own donkey, which means he had to do the walking, goes to the inn, he stays overnight, and cares for his well-being after he has left. He gives him more money and says, hey, anything else, I will come back and I will pay the rest. This good Samaritan had compassion, sees this man and, and sees what does it look like to be able to be that person on the side of the road. How would he have felt and he cares for him. He stops whatever he's doing in that moment where he was headed, and he cares for him right then and right there. So what, is it, what does it look like to be a good neighbor in 2022? Maybe it means being a good neighbor is having this gut-wrenching compassion for those who desperately need action in our community. Maybe being a good neighbor means that realizing that the people in the cars next to you, while you're driving, deserve your attention more than the people texting you do. Maybe being a good neighbor means that my own opinions on people's circumstances and situations need to take a back seat, and I need to listen and hear and have compassion on people and their stories, rather than replacing them with false prayers and false action. Maybe it means that Jesus must become unequivocally greater than all of my other distractions in life. Maybe being a good neighbor in 2022 means prioritizing what we value. Right? If our understanding of scripture and time with Jesus don't inform us to spend time with people that he loves and that he died for, then that means that our time is wasted on things that don't really matter. There's this amazing book that I've been reading, and I just finished reading a couple weeks ago. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and it just talks about how there's so many different things in our lives that we're distracted by, and to eliminate those things, to be able to spend time not only with God, but also with other people. And John Mark Comer, the writer of this, he says this, he says, what you give your attention to is the person you become, what you give your attention to is the person you become. What kind of person are you becoming? I- if you give your attention to all of the other text messages and all, all the other people that are outside of where you are in that moment, and you're ignoring your spouse while they're trying to have a conversation with you, what kind of person are you becoming? if you're so excited about work and the possibility of a promotion, especially during this holiday season, that you're spending countless hours in the office, day in and day out, or you're in your office at home doing these online meetings over and over again, and your kids are desperately needing time to just spend with you, what kind of person are you becoming? What kind of person are you becoming? What you give your attention to is the person that you become. Now, now, I want to pause here, and I want to take some time this morning. We don't oftentimes do this, but I want us to reflect on uh, three questions this morning, and I want you guys to turn to your neighbor. See what I did there? Turn to your neighbor. Nobody? Nobody? Seriously, come on. I failed already this morning with this or that. Thank you. I'm going to take a couple minutes and turn to your neighbor, and I want you guys to process these three questions. What are you currently giving your attention to? Where do you think Jesus might be calling you to be a neighbor this week? And what distractions might get in your way that need removing? So I want you guys to take a couple minutes, and for those of you guys online, I'd love for you guys to answer these questions in the comments and chat with each other. Let's take a couple minutes and just process these, and we'll come back together. Ready, set, Go. All right, let's come back together. What you give your attention to is the person you become. I love that you guys are processing some of these questions as we continue on. I want to share a couple of ways that Jesus gave attention in the Gospels. So I think it's really important for us to reflect on this. If we're going to be a good neighbor, we have to follow what Jesus does. There was, a, there was a point when Jesus is walking with his disciples in this large crowd. It was kind of like he was in a subway. It was like touching, like touching room only. Um, and there's a moment where he's walking through, and he stops, and he says, who touched me? And the disciples are like, dude, you're surrounded by people. Like, everyone's touching you. And he noticed that power left from him and went to this woman who was bleeding for 12 years. In a crowd of people, Jesus paid attention to that one woman who desperately needed Jesus' healing touch. When Jesus is uh, sharing with the crowds, he's in a crowd of other people, and there's this wee little man, his name is Zacchaeus, he climbs up a tree to see Jesus. and He's a tax collector, and Jesus says, Zacchaeus, get down from that tree. I'm going to your house today. Jesus paid special attention to Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus ended up repenting and wanting to give away all the other things that he was indebted to other people for. There's another moment where after his resurrection, he's having breakfast with his disciples, all 11 of them. And after breakfast, he he pays close attention to one person, Peter, who ended up denying him three times. And after breakfast, he has a conversation with Peter, and he asks, "'Do you love me?' three times." And he forgives him, and he says, feed my sheep. Jesus paid attention when he was teaching, and there were little kids running around, like an axe church service. And the kids wanted to come up on stage to hang out with Jesus, and the disciples were playing playing bouncer, and they were like, no, you can't get in. And Jesus rebukes the bouncers, and he says, no, let the little children come to me. Jesus paid attention to the little children. What about you? Jesus pays attention to you. When we don't realize it, sometimes we are like that person who is half dead on the side of the road. Hopeless, hoping that someone will come and care for us as the rest of the world goes on the other side of the road and walks off. Jesus pays special attention to you and cares for you. Jesus is our good Samaritan that gives everything in his life for you. As he hangs on a cross for you, this good Samaritan says, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. And he takes the place of that half-dead person and actually dies in your place too. And not just stays dead, but rises from the grave to have a relationship with you. To be an example of what it means to show real love to a world that desperately needs the love of Jesus over and over and over again. So, so what does it look like to be a neighbor in 2022? I, I think the first thing is to start paying attention. But but paying attention starts with paying, praying with intention. Paying attention starts with praying with intention. Maybe this week it's praying, Lord, as I enter through those doors and sit at the table of thanksgiving, would you just open my eyes to see what are some nonverbals that are going on around this table that I can speak love into and care for people who are desperately hurting? Jesus, as I go through work, as I check my emails, as I'm hanging out with other people who may be far from you, they might have questions. Maybe it's paying attention to those questions and leaning into further conversation. Maybe it's something that you see in our community where there are people who desperately need to hear a voice, or maybe they need some financial help. And it's caring for them and paying attention and having, asking God, would you just open my eyes to see these opportunities? Paying attention starts with praying with intention. We love people best when we slow down and are present with them. Another quote from the book from uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry says this, Hurry kills relationships. Love takes time. Hurry doesn't have it. What does it look like to share that love and just slowing down and seeing what the Lord is doing in the midst of your life? As you go through the holidays, I pray that you would eliminate the distractions of your schedules and just be present in the moment with the people that you love and care for and the people that love and care for you. Maybe that looks like putting your phones down at the table or putting it aside away from you maybe it's sacrificing any time that you want to have to yourself and spending it intentionally with God and seeking where God might be leading you. Maybe it means just praying that God God would show you and help you to pay attention to where Christ calls us to be a neighbor. And, and that Jesus continues to give you attention and care for you and not just you, but the people in your midst. What does it look like to be a neighbor in 2022? Let's pray. Jesus, you are our good Samaritan who cares for us day in and day out and provides for us. And Lord, a promise that you will return to pay back anything else that we might owe. Jesus, there are days, weeks, moments, minutes where we oftentimes aren't a good neighbor to our family, to our kids, to our coworkers, to our spouses, to whoever it is in our path. Jesus, help us to be a good neighbor that reflects who you are and the love that you have for us and for those around us. Jesus, we take a moment to pause and reflect on times when we've sinned against you and sinned against our neighbor and have not cared for them. Jesus even in the midst of brokenness even in the midst of of hurting other people you call us to yourself you you cover us with your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness as you take our place on that cross Jesus you say that we are forgiven people and and now we have to continue to forgive other people in your name to be a neighbor in the way that you neighbor us. Jesus, we thank you for your gift of grace and mercy and peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about our church at ActsChurchLeander.com.